The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. I'm Gordon Monson. He's Patrick Kinahan sitting in for Jake Scott. We're about to be joined by quarterback uh, coach extraordinaire John Beck. Uh, PK, tell me everything you know about quarterback play inside of 20 seconds. Get the ball in the end zone, man. That's all it takes. Doesn't matter how you do it. Uh, you've got to have great skill. you got to have great intellect. Uh, athleticism, I think, particularly at the pro level, is a little overrated. Well, so what do you think is most important? Uh, probably in. in- Intellect, but less as somebody who knows about it way more than I do. <laughs> and that would be? That would be John Beck. John, welcome to the big show. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no problem, guys. So, John, tell us a little bit. Tell us everything you know about Jaron Hall. I mean, you've been working with him. You've worked with uh, a fellow named Zach uh, before that and seemed to have some pretty good success. What are you seeing with Jaron, uh, who's freshly named BYU starter? Well, I'm excited with the skill set that he brings to the position. I think uh, it's somebody two years ago was in a starting role for BYU um, after Zach got injured and came out in that Utah State game and was playing really, really well before he suffered an injury. So, you know, last year is interesting because Jaron basically couldn't go. So it's a guy that's been around football um, for years, but in terms of how much football he's done over the past few years, it's been limited because of injury. So I see this skill set. He worked really hard this offseason. I've heard that things are going really well for him this camp. So for me, it's just, you know, it's going to be let's see what the offense looks like with him at the helm. It's not going to look exactly like Zach, but Jaron brings an athleticism that is somewhat close to some of the things that Zach did. So what I think is really beneficial for BYU, unlike yourself, you were forced to play as a freshman uh, and play big, big time minutes and games or plays, I guess you would call it in football. Jaron has been in the program for four years. It's hard to imagine that he's already been in the program for four years. Three of those years, he has had Aaron Roderick, who obviously is going to be the play caller there. Back in the old days, and you, I remember talking to you many, many times, you know, with you pointing the antenna on the roof to get BYU games back in the day. Sounds so uh, ancient now, but you would talk about how you were a BYU fan and you knew the history of BYU. And so you know that quarterbacks came into the program probably redshirted, sat out a couple of years or played minimally. I mean, there were backups. And then by the time they were juniors, were ready to take over. That's essentially, and the, and the coaches with Chow and everybody stayed the same. That's essentially what we have here. A little bit of experience, a long time in the program, a long time in the connection with the offensive coordinator, and now is your time. With that in mind, what do you think, if any, would be a learning curve for Jaron? Well, it's going to be being in the starting role. Um, he's going to learn you know, a little bit more what it's like being the guy week in and week out. When he got the starting nod two years ago, his opponents didn't know what to expect. There wasn't game tape of him out there, of how he ran within the offense, maybe tendencies or his style of play. So Utah State, and I believe he played also against South Florida, 
Yeah. You know, they just kind of had to go off, all right, well, maybe he'll play like this. Well, what's going to change is when you become a starting quarterback and you start putting things out on tape throughout the course of a season and then into a second season, those defensive coordinators, they get to watch how you work within that offense. They get to start to put together game plans based on stopping you and the way you play the game. So for Jaron, it's going to be different in two aspects, one within his own team, being the guy that gets the reps every single day of the week leading up to the game, that he's not used to, and that'll help him progress as a quarterback and be better prepared for the games he plays in. But there's also this thing now where coaches gain more experience about the way that he plays, and he's not going to be the new guy that goes out there and, you know, they're just trying to play some of their base stuff, and they're going to actually now game plan for some of the things that he does. And when they do that, now you have to raise your level of play. You can't be the same guy each and every week. You have to start to recognize your own tendencies within your own team and yourself and then play off of those. And that's where the real chess match, which is a lot of fun at quarterback, where you feel like you're playing against their defensive coordinator. And the more games that he plays in, the more it's going to start to feel like that for him. So that's John Beck, former BYU quarterback and kingpin at 3DQB. John, when you have a mobile athletic quarterback, do you have to – instruct him not to follow the instinct to take off running when he feels pressure or when his first progression isn't what it what he wants it to look like how does that process work sometimes it's the best thing that can happen those quarterbacks that have the ability to make plays with their feet add an extra element that at times can just really give defenses headaches the tough part is it can also give an offensive coordinator a headache because he's trying to dial things up and if that quarterback is taken off too soon it's hard to know from a play-calling standpoint what your quarterback is seeing. What made him take off so soon? Is he turning to that too quick, or is there really something that flashes that makes him use his legs? I think uh, the best thing for a quarterback to do is to have that ability but use it kind of as his last card. He needs to be able to still work through his progressions, run the offense the way it's designed to be run, and then if things do break down, if there's nothing there, then you can take off and make a play. There are going to be times, and it's going to show up in the season, where somebody's going to make mistakes. Somebody's going to you know, mess up in pass protection. Somebody's going to miss a block. Somebody's going to do something wrong. And then Jaron's immediate reactions of being an athlete are going to take over. He's going to scramble and make some plays, or he may scramble and find somebody open downfield. And those plays are going to help the team. What you want to make sure as a quarterback is that you're not, because of a couple good plays like that early in a game, then later in the game, just a simple bit of pressure in your face, and boom, you're out of there. The most dangerous quarterbacks are the ones that they know when to use it, and then they know when just to kind of subtly move and then still strike something downfield. And that's, and, and that's when you know that the quarterback has really reached an awesome um, point in efficiency is when they can use both to their advantage. So your senior year, John, if I remember, you played on a bum ankle. I think you got injured in, by, against Boston College. And you basically had to play on it the whole season. You missed one game, Utah State, and Jason Beck came in, and they won that game. And then you had some time off between the bowl, uh, the end of the season, the bowl game, and you were running around. You were loose at that point. And so my thought for you is Jaron has had these uh, couple of concussions that thwarted him two years ago. Uh, with that in mind, what's it like to play with not, – he's not necessarily playing with an injury now – but playing with the thought that, hey, I got injured and it prevented me from playing, and then I had to sit out basically a year and a half as far as what's in his mind when he's out on the field and not being able to have that hinder him and still be free to play. Yeah, playing injured is definitely different from playing at 100% after an injury. 
um, you know, you talk about my senior year there. Yeah, the majority of the year, I always felt like I was playing not at 100%, right? An aspect of my game to run around, scramble around, and make plays was just gone. I couldn't, I couldn't use any of that. So you're playing at, you know, 75, 80%. Jaron coming back from an injury, I think, you know, those type of plays, they help you. I'm, I'm going to go way back to earlier in my career when I ran around a lot and, you know, hadn't, I wasn't really good at playing that game of running around. I took some major shots. When you take major shots and it keeps you out of playing, you learn that lesson really fast of, I can't play like this anymore. It doesn't mean you can't run around and scramble. It just means you got to be smart with the shots that you take. you got to get down. you got to get out of bounds. Those extra few yards, they don't matter as much as you being able to play on that next play. And I think for Jaron, you know, those, those, those hits that he took in that Utah State game, those were kind of fluke hits. Like, I, I don't see him making a poor decision when he goes barreling into the end zone like that. The guy just happened to catch him. Uh, in kind of a funky spot, and it just hit him right in the right spot to get a concussion. So I don't see Jaron as necessarily playing reckless in the way that he plays. I do think that because of his time, having gone through that learning experience, you may see him get down a little bit quicker, make sure he gets out of bounds, especially for someone like you said earlier in the show. He's been here at BYU now for four years. Uh, He's paid his dues, and he doesn't want to have an opportunity to be on the field and then have it gone so quickly just because he was trying to get a few extra yards. It's going to be hard because when your emotions are running high, when you're really competitive by nature, which he is, you're going to want to give everything you have, and you're not going to shy away from contact. You're not going to shy away from one of those extra yards, and that's where the experience of I've seen guys play that way, and I know that right now that's not what my team needs. Right right now my team needs me to be there to play the next play. John, my memory of you as a quarterback is that early on you could throw the ball through a brick wall, and then you learn more and more touch. How does a quarterback learn that, and does Jaron have that? In my time with Jaron, I think he has a really good feel for when to layer balls. Sometimes it's it's, it's play-specific, right? You know, if I'm going to get this ball in here, i got to layer it over that underneath coverage, and that's just going to be the typical throw there. Where quarterbacks are really savvy is when they can change arm angles and speed of the ball, and then now they just have this myriad of different throws. And he's working on all those things. All quarterbacks in college are working on it. There's nobody that I've ever met, you know, young in their career at college that, oh, they just they just got every throw. It's not like that at all. They're all working um, to try to get there. Um, but to me, there is an aspect of quarterbacking where you learn, hey, I can anticipate this throw more because I've seen it so many times and I don't have to throw this ball 90 miles an hour. By anticipating it and putting a ball out there, the, the phrase that I use all the time with guys, 88%, right? Just, hey, 85, like 85 to 88%, that's all this ball needs to be. Just layer it out there. And most guys I've found, they're far more accurate when they do that. And then knowing their personnel. A, a lot of the times when you're a quarterback that played with a group of guys, you know your guys so well, you know the type of balls that they need. Some of the best quarterbacks I've been around, they're the guys that they, they can make the ball come in easy for the guy that needs it easy. And when it's in a tight window and they got a guy that they know can catch it in that tight window, they can put all the mustard behind it they need and they throw that ball 100 miles an hour and they know their guys so well. How much when you're working with guys, whoever it might be, do you spend technique versus the mental aspect? Oh, when we work, it's it's so much of all aspects of quarterbacking. Um, you know, I know at times, depending on who the guy is, there may be elements of his game where we spend a lot of time on the mechanics. But throughout the workout, there's a lot of stuff that we talk about in terms of defenses, in terms of offense. You know, a lot of the times during the first hour when we're going through a lot of our warm-up protocols or our patterning protocols, 
we are talking offensive situations. We're talking situations with coaches, situations within a team. There's so much of the science behind the mental side of sport that we talk about with these quarterbacks all the time because so much of it, especially the higher you go in levels, there's not always as big of a gap in skill and ability. Uh, and where you can really gain a competitive advantage is on the mental side of things. So throughout our days, and I can tell you so many times a quarterback will just shoot me a text like, you got a minute tonight, you know, this is going on in camp, or you got a minute, this is what I'm facing, can we talk? And a lot of the times off the field, I'm talking with the very same quarterbacks that I'm helping on the field because it's, it's all-encompassing. The things that a quarterback has to deal with and the journey that he has to go and the ups and downs, it takes more than just mechanical work on the field or understanding defenses. It's this full spectrum, everything that a quarterback has to deal with, we, we, we work on with our guys. When you see a guy, John, can you obviously you can evaluate where he is right now. Do you get a sense in the short term of how good that quarterback can be in the long term, or is that a bit of a mystery, Rod? No, you. Uh, there's certain guys you can know, um, and I'll just use this, you know, Zach story. Um, when we first started working with Zach, when he was just out of high school, there was this kind of like unique mixture of things that you could see that he brought to the table. And because of our time spent with other guys, and it wasn't just one guy, it would be like, hey, this guy has this and Zach possesses that. And remember this guy, he had that and Zach possesses that too. And remember this guy, remember that? Yeah, Zach's got that. And if you can get all of those to go together, and then the thing would be as he grows within the offense. And this is where the position coaches, this is where the offensive coordinator, this is where it's out of our hands and it's in their hands. Can they develop him in these areas? And then it's on the quarterback. Does he devote the time necessary to be prepared? Does he understand, you know, mentally and his eyes, and can he pick up on all those things? And then you see if all those things can go together with what's in our control, what's out of our control, then really special things can happen. And then now to bump to Jaron, that's why I'm excited for Jaron. Like, I see him bring some things to the table that I'm like, for him only to be a sophomore, for him to have kind of some of these things that he brings to the table, it's exciting to know where he can grow to and develop within the offense. And the cool thing for him like you said earlier in the show, he's been around Roger for the last three years. He, this is not an offense that's new to him. I remember feeling what it felt like when you get an offensive coordinator new in the spring and you're installing your base offense and you ran no plays together with that person and they've never called plays with your offense and you're stepping into a season and there's really not that much experience between the quarterback and his coaches. Well, that can be a tough situation. This one right here, I feel like in some areas is going to be so fluid because those guys have been together. He's been in the meeting room. And he watched somebody go out last year and run a super effective offense, and they're not changing things because of a new quarterback. They're going to be doing a lot of the same things. So you've been there literally. Zach goes 9 of 11 in the preseason. How big of a deal do we make it? I mean, look, I was super pumped for him. I'm really happy for how good of a preseason he's had up to this point. You know, right now in the NFL, the way that preseason games are going, I see some teams being very basic with their coverages, and that's because they want evaluation. I see other teams resting a lot of their starters, and that's because they don't want to lose a guy in the preseason. Everybody's right now playing things a little bit different. Um, sometimes when I get a chance to see some practices, I see some things offensively and defensively that they're doing in practices that they're like not showing in their games and for a reason. So it's great to see him doing well. I see what his team is doing, giving him high-efficiency throws, um, and he's making sure that they're letting him get in a rhythm. I really like that a lot. They're trying to establish some of the things that they know they're going to build off of when the season comes. And then I love to see some of his, like, off-schedule throws. 
because whether it's preseason or a regular game, doesn't matter. It was great to see him get those. So to me, I'm super pumped that game one and two went good for him. But this is a long football season, and there's going to be some ups and downs. Um, and he knows that. The coaching staff knows that. And he's, he's preparing for that. But it is awesome to see that these first two games have gone well. John Beck, 3D QB, joins us. John, an attendant question to what PK just asked you. He, Zach Wilson looks so comfortable out there. Is that because of the level of uh, the players that are he's playing against, or is this just a natural thing that he's developed over the years? Well, I think Zach puts in a lot of time and effort. Anytime you prepare the way that Zach does, you're going to have a level of confidence. I feel like by nature, um, because of his competitive spirit and just who he, like the way that he's wired, he comes very uh, confident. So I think those things help. And then what his coaches are doing, um, the things that I'm hearing out of practice, they're giving him every look. They give him tons of reps. They're not holding back anything in practice. They're making, they're making practice hard for him. Like I would say, if you have a chance to talk to Zach and you say, in what situations have there been times that you have felt uncomfortable, it's going to be at practice. Um, but the cool part is, is he's going back and he's watching tape of it and he's talking with his coaches and he's learning so much from those things. I think that's why you're seeing somebody in the two games that he's played, it looks comfortable because of what they're throwing at him in practice. And also, like I said, to answer the question in the beginning, it's just so much of it's the way that Zach is wired. He's so good at preparing himself, and he knows the state of mind that he needs to be in when he walks out on the field. And uh, because of that, I think he's able to play the way that he is. John, when you help develop a quarterback like that, that's a win-win, isn't it? Obviously, Zach is benefiting, but I wonder how much your phone rings, people being interested in coming and being tutored by you. How many quarterbacks are you working with these days? I mean, there's a lot. It's my full-time gig, um, you know, and it's it's been guys for years. Like, we had a lot of guys that were having success in the NFL, and, you know, when they give interviews, there's always kids across the country at all levels, college, high school, who they're paying attention to the guys that they're trying to emulate in the NFL, right? So when something comes out, whether it's on the NFL network or ESPN or something, we get a lot of phone calls. Hey, I followed this quarterback. I heard mention of this. We're interested, right? And then this was with Zach last year, right? There's a lot of people, especially from the state of Utah, that because of Zach's success, they're interested. You know, what is it? And here's what I would say. There are, there are talented guys all over the place. Um, and so much of what they achieve is because of who they are. Uh, and sometimes it's even who they are before they get to us. There are some guys that I've seen grown a lot while they're with us, uh, and I'm not necessarily talking in terms of mechanics. I just mean quarterback-wise, right? You, you see them because of the experience that they're getting at their school, whether it's high school or college, they grow a lot. But so much of the success that guys get, it's because of what they earn themselves. And what we are is we help them with the information. We help them with the training. We help them with the patterns we help give them information that professionals are functioning off of and we say let's put this in your hands when you're in high school and college and then it gives them a different platform to function from and we see their growth just climb at a much much faster rate and so for us that's where we feel like this is our slice of the pie where we can help help them out but at the same time they also have loads of time away from us and it really comes down to who are they and what are they doing and what type of behaviors are they having while they're away from us. Because we can give them drills. We can give them thought processes. We can give them all types of things. But if they're not taking that on their own and using it to get better each and every day, then they're going to fall short of who they can become. And that's why it's awesome 
to work with the guys that we've talked about with, with Zach, with Jaron, because they've taken that information and they've just worked their butts off to get as good as they can be. And I enjoy working with those guys because of that. Well, John Beck, uh, I don't know if 25 years ago you aspired to be a quarterback whisperer, but that's what you've become. <laughs> uh, that must feel kind of cool. Yeah, it's a fun job. You know what? I uh, I thought I was going to be one of those guys that was going to get to play, you know, till he was 40. That was my goal. And I tried to do everything right along the way in terms of work ethic, in terms of who I surrounded myself with. I tried to put myself around the guys that were succeeding in the NFL. And I would have never known that because of those connections, uh, because of the guys I trained with, it would connect me with people that then would land me here. But I do really enjoy my job. I do really enjoy getting to focus so much on quarterbacks and that I get to have that be my, you know, when I wake up in the morning, uh, I'm working on quarterbacks and I'm watching tape and I'm watching the NFL games. I'm talking to my guys in college. I'm helping out the high school guys. And You know, sometimes my most favorite thing in my job is when guys have struggles and then they reach out and say, hey, man, these last couple of days have not been what I hoped. What can I do? And uh, I loved that part about my time when I was a player. I love trying to get better at my craft. And uh, even though it's no longer for me, I still love helping others the same way I loved working myself. So it's a good job. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, John. We appreciate it, and good luck in future endeavors. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Have a good one. John Beck, 3DQB. PK, you covered him back in the day. I mean, uh, it's been pretty interesting to watch his career unfold. Uh, yeah, he was always a... Cerebral. Uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good word. Thanks. As far as understanding the position and understanding the role of offense. So he doesn't want to get into coaching at the college level because he's got young boys and it's just incompatible. So he's this is how he's getting his fix. And it's, it's just an absolute natural at it. Must be lucrative for him, too. I mean, he's working with some pretty nice players. Yeah, and he's doing it down there in the Orange County area, uh, close to the water. So uh, <laughs> that's a nice place to, to live, especially when you don't have to commute long and you just go to the local field. Yeah, he's built himself up. Uh, it's awesome. I always enjoyed him. I always thought he was a good dude. All right. Uh, when we when we come back, we'll talk uh, more about uh, – we talked about BYU and their strengths and weaknesses. Let's talk a little bit about the Utes coming up. Uh, Okay, what's going on? What are we seeing in front of us? Uh, we're seeing a whole lot of people buy jazz gear. The season is right around the corner. Now is the time. And why is now is the time out on the plaza? We're having a sidewalk sale up to 75% off jazz merchandise. We've got games, cornhole and can jam. You can throw a Frisbee into a can and you're in competition there. And sport court on the plaza, spin wheel with chances to win prizes. 75% off hats, shirts, t-shirts, jerseys, you name it. You know what they've got here. And get down here tonight, and it's running through the weekend Saturday. Take advantage of it. I've seen several people that I know, several people that I don't know, several people that I don't want to know. <laughs> and they're all down here, and they're buying their stuff, man. Load up. I got jazz gear. I got multiple jazz hats. I got multiple jazz sweatshirts. I wear them. You any good with the frisbee? Nah, probably not. No. You know, some people are just naturally good with that thing. They can just level it out. And uh, there's only one thing I'm naturally good at. That would be sarcasm. Oh, all right, Austin. You any good with the frisbee? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, you know, sure. 
I'm, I'm good as long as I got the wind behind me. If I'm throwing into the wind. See, my problem my whole life, I've been running into the wind. <laughs> running against the wind. Yeah, but that's a problem because you've conquered. I'm running against the wind. Let the Cowboys ride. We'll be right back. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. BYU may have named their starting quarterback in Jaron Hall, but their first opponent, the Arizona, oh, almost said Cardinals, Arizona Wildcats, aren't saying who's going to play, if they're both going to play, if neither are going to play. Elisa Tuyaki says they're planning for both of them. We've watched the, the three kids that they've talked about, and you know we see the potential problems that each of them could bring, and we're just trying to have a contingency plan for each of the kids as they come in. I mean, it's hard to just wholesale change what you're doing. There's got to be you know little tiny nuances that you change when somebody else comes in, but I feel like we've been good in a, getting a good uh, dose of it against our own offense with having uh, Baylor and Jaron and, and uh, Jacob facing those guys every day. Just some of them have a little bit different set, uh, skill set, and you, you play to it like you would uh, having different quarterbacks like Arizona has. Your pets are angels, but urine-soaked carpet is a nightmare for your house. Zero Res has a specialized method to remove stains that leaves your carpet clean and smelling fresh. Schedule your appointment with Zero Res today. ZeroResSaltLake.com or ZeroResDavisWeaver.com. That's Zero Res. is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It is The Big Show. I'm Gordon Monson. He's Patrick Kinahan, and Austin Horton is driving the boat. Uh, PK, earlier in the show, we talked about BYU and what the overall sort of flyover feel was for the Cougars this year, and we talked about their strengths and weaknesses. Let me afford you the opportunity to do the same with the Utes. You've been in contact with the folks up there. You're pretty dialed in to what the inside feeling is about what's going on with this team. It seems as though the optimism runs pretty high. Very deep, yeah. Kyle's throwing around 2019. They went 8-1 and one in the conference. That's how I judge you. you know, sometimes you can, you can orchestrate what you want out of the non-conference with your schedule. The conference, you can't. They went 8-1. and one. That's very impressive. Lost their first game, obviously. Didn't lose again until the conference title game. They got blitzed by Oregon. It was somewhat of a stunner. But as I look at it individually, I think their front seven on defense right now is their strength. There are other strengths that could develop. But right now, I think the most known strength is the front seven. What do you think of the uh, the offense? And one area that Jake often calls into question, and maybe rightfully so, is the uh, the wide receiver position. Well, we were talking about this this morning, DJ and I, that you know they they listed their depth chart depth chart today, right? So at the running back, they had or or or, so three <laughs> ors equals four players, right? Because you have a player, then you have an or, a second player, or, or third player, and another or. That's four. 
four running backs they haven't been able to determine. Well, the history of Utah since I've been in this market since 1993 is they have really good running backs. Over three coaches, they have really good running backs. And a lot of times, particularly under this particular coach, when they've got uh, a running back who rushes over 1,000 yards, he's an NFL guy. I think maybe John White might have been the only one who wasn't. Probably some of that was maybe because of his size. But the other guys have all gone to the pros, Avante Booker and Zach Moss of the latest, uh, most recent two. And with that in mind, I suspect somebody's going to be really good. Ty Jordan was good. I think if Ty Jordan was alive and playing for the Utes, they are the pick to win the South overwhelmingly uh, because they have a question mark there. But they have such a great history. Well, conversely, at receiver, they have a history of just basically having average guys. So if you're going to reward them for their history and assume that one of these running backs, if not two of them, emerge to be really good, and you have to wonder over here at receiver, what's going on? Do they have a 1,000-yard receiver? Because they hardly ever have one. Right? So until I see it, Theo Howard had some good times down there in Westwood for your UC Los Angeles Bruins. He went to Oklahoma and had some issues there with injury, and now he's with the Utes. I remember him playing in the Pac-12. Potential is there. Solomon Enos, big kid. Covey, yeah. you know, super exciting. Can he stay healthy? You know, do you want Covey getting the ball a ton? Because his body withstand it? You know, if you select him and spot him, he's really good. Uh, but you wonder, can he take that pounding? And I remember him talking about played Washington that one year a few years back and they were just all hyped up because they got somebody they could lay into and not have to worry about hurting themselves because <laughs> he was so much smaller and they just beat the crap out of him that yeah, game. Yeah, I remember. All right. I, mean, I was actually in a hotel in Chicago watching that because Scott Gerard in his infinite wisdom said I need you to go back and cover the BYU Wisconsin game. I said what the what for? That's going to be a slaughter. Only wasn't a slaughter. The Cougars won. <laughs> In stunning fashion, right, in overtime. So I hustled back to Chicago, just flying out the next day, watched that game in a hotel, and just saw Britain just get torn up, man. Tough kid. So, yeah, the receivers have stuff to prove. Offensive line, they still didn't list starters. Uh, they listed some oars and running back. So you've got so much new stuff at the – Tight ends, I think they're going to be good. Yeah, they really are good. Yeah. And I suspect they'll be okay offensively. I just don't know to what level. If they're really good offensively, then they got a plant chance to play January 1 in the Rose Bowl. When we talk about the receivers, uh, do you think that's a chicken there, chicken and egg thing, kind of like the, if you don't have a top-notch quarterback, then it affects the receivers? Or do you think the receivers have been questionable on their own? So Samson Nakua was at Utah for three years, if I remember, right? And he goes down to BYU. So I'm talking to some of their guys in Pro Bowl, and I'm saying, you know, I thought this kid was going to take off. And he never really took off. He had size. He could move. Good hands. What was the deal? And they told me that they felt like he was misused. He felt like he was misused. So... If they use the guys right, if you're going on what Samson said, or what I was told anyway, or what the coaches thought, that they weren't being used right. You know, I, I just think that in order to be a passing offense, you've got to be committed. And it's hard to be committed. It, it's really hard to say, I'm going to be committed to a passing offense. Sounds good. You know, like basketball, we're going to run. 
Yeah, well, then you get out there and you start running up and down. You're tired. You're going to keep running and keep running. You're going to pay the price to be in shape to run because it sounds good and sounds good. Yeah, we're going to throw the ball. But are you really going to be committed knowing that? And Kyle said this this very training camp. When you hand off, that ball's yours. When you throw, the ball's anybody's. When it's in the air, it's like when it's on the ground. Nobody has it. It's anybody's ball. Whereas if I hand off, it's my ball. Right? Well, if you have a good quarterback, it's uh, it's more yours than it is the other guys. Barring some kind of weird thing. Right. True. Because you can have 15, 20 completions regularly in a game. But if you have three or four interceptions, those three or four interceptions are way bigger than 15 completions or 20 completions, potentially. I wonder, though, if a, if a, if a, a group of wide receivers is not really used as much as uh, they would be used in some offenses and they're out there blocking and whatnot. I wonder if that has takes a toll after a while on guys not being as committed as maybe they would be well, otherwise yeah. if they if they got the ball on a regular basis. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the BYU and the talk. You're going to BYU and expecting them to be as embracing a particular lifestyle, and then they're not. Where's the surprise? If you're a receiver and you're going to Utah and you're going to get tired of blocking, that's on you. Yeah, but you want to know every, full well. Every year, Kyle says we got to be better in the throw game, which should make it even more apparent that they are who they are. Yeah, because they you, say it every year and it never you, comes to but pass. You can't get better if you don't have better players. So if you have better players, then you should be able to well, recruiting take that is ninety percent of the battle. Absolutely, the guys who have the best players usually win. He knows that. But if you're a top-flight receiver, why would you go to Utah? This is why I think it's, it'll be so interesting to watch Charlie Brewer. Because if he is really a difference maker, if he can deliver the ball on time the way Kyle wants it to be done without getting careless with it, then uh, those wide receivers get more opportunity. Yeah. And if the wide receivers get more opportunity, then guess who's going to be open over the middle? Brant Keith, he's going to he, be open. Is, he gonna, is Charlie Brewer going to be better than Tyler Huntley was his senior year? I don't know. No. I do. No. No. What, what makes you say that? Because Tyler Huntley was awesome his senior well, year. Well, he was good, yeah, but Charlie Brewer has a bit of a track record where he's looked pretty good. And you think he's going to be better than what Tyler Huntley had as I a senior? I don't know that. I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Coming up next on The Big Show is Austin's favorite segment of he, the entire day. He sings? They're not sports report. Something you all clamor for. I hear from everybody all the time saying, give, keep the not sports report. You if your kids it. are in the car, give them a movie to watch. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll try not to be as sad and sorry as I was yesterday. yesterday. We talked about euthanizing our pets. So let's what? not go there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> yes. What do you mean, well, no, we no? We did talk about that, but uh, but I read a study that said that that, no, no, uh, we don't need a, to a lot of dog owners uh, can't bear taking their their dog in, into having no freaking kidding. But but here's the thing: they say that the vets have studied the behavior of these dogs, and they the worst part of it is that they are frantically looking around for their owner. And so the point was that if you have a dog that you're going to put down, 
go in and hold your dog when it happens instead of just dropping him off. You didn't have to do the whole away. thing again here. Oh, oh my sorry. goodness. Can we talk about what happens when your spouse dies? Sheesh, Gordon, what a downer. It's one of the worst days of my life. Yeah, that was kind of sad. Jeez. Yeah. Suck, man. We've all been there. I'm going to be over here Stay tuned now. for this. Yeah, this is a pick-me-up. I can promise you we won't do that. Thank goodness. Ever all again. Right. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Austin. Austin almost walked off the show forever. I don't blame him. Well, not forever. He needs the money. What was worse about it was that Lloyd had just put his dog down what, Austin? I know he did. Sunday, over the weekend. So it was... And it's a yeah, he's boxer. standing right here next to me and saying, why did you bring this up again, Austin? Right. Now I'm getting I, blamed. So I have break. two. Bo- I had one boxer who died, and then I, we have another boxer, and, and, and Lloyd has boxers. We commiserated it on Monday morning. I held, I held Lloyd in my arms and said I was sorry, and I meant it. Man, I'm really sorry I brought that up. I thought I was doing a public service announcement, encouraging people to hold on to their pets, not just drop them off. That's all. <laughs> Drop them off as they die in your arms. Yikes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right. We'll make it a little bit lighter than that, maybe. Coming up next. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Utes at 50 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Who will be starting at running back for the University of Utah when they open against Weber State a week from tonight? Kyle Whittingham says uh, it's still a work in progress. No, and that's uh, okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay. It's not It's not uh, as pressing as uh, some of the other positions, quarterback, O-line, because we feel like we've got four real good ones. And, and my guess is my, my – uh, I'm fairly certain that – those guys will set, separate themselves and sort themselves out in the first game or two, and we'll know who's the who's the prime, primary guy. This Utes at 50 update brought to you by University of Utah Health. They'll be joining DJ and PK tomorrow morning to discuss a surprisingly common disorder, uh, a problem affecting men. Special thanks to U of U Health for joining us tomorrow, 7 to 10 a.m. here on The Zone. this out and now you're not sports report on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network welcome back it is the big show pk sitting in for jake scott we're out here at the team store on the plaza at vivin arena PK, uh, this is the highlight of the day, as we talked about earlier, the Not Sports Report. And uh, who's that brought to us by? Well, the Not Sports Report, it's brought to you by LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. And you can shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. I've purchased three from them. And they set me up for Pac-12 Media Day. I drove down there, so we thank them at LHM Used Cars Supermarket. That's LHMUsedCars.com. Okay, I got two stories for the Not Sports Report today. One of them is kind of a bummer, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. The bummer or the other one? No, the the bummer one. I'm a bummer kind of guy, so. So in 1968, a fellow by the name of Sirhan Sirhan supposedly assassinated Robert F. Kennedy Jr. 
Oh, not junior, senior. Who was, that, running, who was running for president at I thought the time. that was a fact. Well, so maybe, maybe it is. However, let, maybe. Me, let me continue maybe. on. Okay. Uh, he's been in prison since 1968, and he's been up for parole about 15 times and has been denied every time. He originally was sentenced to death, but uh, California at that time uh, changed the uh, you know, capital punishment. So Which he's I'm been sure pr- you agree with. He's been in, in prison all this time, but now a report is out that he could be released tomorrow if uh, if he is uh, paroled. So my question is, what do you think of that? He's 77 years old, 53 years in a San Diego prison, and I would have shipped him in Alaska. Apparent, apparently, uh, Robert. Kennedy Jr. is supporting Sirhan's bid for freedom because he does not believe that he is the man who killed his father. He thinks... And those Kennedys have a lot of conspiracies, huh? Yeah, I guess. Have you seen any documentaries on that when they look at all the direction of the bullets and where the injuries were and all that stuff at the pantry there at the the old uh, Ambassador Hotel? No, more about uh, JFK. Yeah, both of them. Not But, uh... What do you think, one way or the other? Uh, oh, would, I you, think? would you be for him being released at this point no, after 53? Uh, very little. But I, I don't have any information on that. I mean, what level of prisoner is he? Don't you have to meet certain standards? I don't know how that works. Uh, I've had plenty of family members do time. Were <laughs> uh, they mobbed up? Uh, I don't know. Some, some to a degree. And then if you go with my current family situation, which is sort of screwed up in a way that is very unusual, well, certainly unusual based on your family, uh, I've got extended family in Slammers. <laughs> Austin, you had any st- extended family members in the Slammer? No, no, uh, not in the Slammer currently, no. Uh, uh, my question for this is, does the guy know how to uh, properly yield at a yield sign when he's driving? Because if he does, then you're for his release? Well, if he doesn't, I'm certainly not for his release. Everyone that doesn't know how to yield should be there. So. Well, for people of our generation, PK, well, most of us anyway, maybe not you, but that was a big, big story, and that was traumatic for a lot of people when that happened. I don't remember it. And I do, I do. Anyway, the second story... Have you heard of the Milk Creek Challenge? Our Milk Creek, you're talking about? The Milk. Oh, Milk. Yeah. Milk, milk Crate? Crate Challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're they doing this stupid stuff and people are dying? Well, yeah, people are yeah. dying? They, they, yes, they, they stack, had like two people died yesterday. They, they stacked the crates. Yeah, I've up. seen it. Have you seen this, Austin? Yeah, it's like a, an ascending and then descending staircase. Yes. Yeah. And, and the difficult part seems to be the descent after you reach the apex where people are falling off the crates. And I thought I saw where two people died. Well, there was one, there was a report on social media that a Dallas woman had died doing the milk crate challenge. But police say, au contraire, she did not die. She was just injured. Thank the Lord above. Why are people doing this, Austin? What, did, what is this another one of these? Uh, it's better than eating media? Tide Pods. I, I mean, but what's the deal with this? Why are people doing a milk crate challenge? And yeah, everyone the, the wants por- to be famous. I don't know. I'd rather do this shoot, boot scoot boogie. 
Well, the, the police chief there said she did not die. But he, he did ask a, a, a good question. He said, why are people doing this? And I, 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 that's what I ask. Go ahead, PK. I love country. <laughs> this is the boot scootin' boogie. I know it is. I got it. <laughs> boot scootin' boogie. Milk crate challenge. <laughs> Doesn't roll off the tongue, but you can work with it. Yeah, that milk crate <laughs> thing is kind of difficult to get, uh, get you out. You could do the uh, uh, crate. How do you spell crate? C-R-A-T. So you could do uh, MCC. Yeah. MCC challenge. <laughs> well, you had people that, what were they doing? Driving their cars blindfolded or something awesome? What was that called? Uh, the Teenagers. bird box challenge, yeah, yeah, yeah. cocaine. Yeah, bird boxing. I, I, I just, I, I don't. I, if you want to challenge yourself to something, then make it something useful, not climbing over milk crates. I totally agree, Gordon G. Monson. The Gordon <laughs> stands for Glenn. He was called GG when he was growing up. Not true. My son was driving. My wife called me. I was golfing. Oh, he got in an accident. Don't worry, it's not serious. Meanwhile, I can hear, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Yeah. You can uh, hear the emergency vehicles coming in the background. That's uh, just wonderful. <laughs> All right, everybody, be safe out there and stay off the milk crates. We'll be right back.